If you've been with us at all in January, you would know that we are in our series called All In. That's what we've been doing in January. And we in this series have been looking at what it looks like for us to be all in on Jesus. And in fact, I don't know about you, but I feel like all in is so significant at the beginning of the year that this might as well be a declaration for many of us because we can't just keep all in living just in January. This is actually supposed to catapult us into the year. How many of you are excited about being all in in 2022? And what we've been talking about in January is this idea that being a disciple and a follower of Jesus requires us to be all in. We actually, if we're gonna be his follower, if we're gonna be his disciple, we have to go all in. Today, I'm really excited because we're wrapping up the series. And when you came in today, how many of you came in through the atrium and you saw all the tables and the balloons, right? It's like fun looking out there, yeah? And uh, then you probably came and sat down at your seat and you probably see there's a dream team card floating somewhere near you. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, when you start to see things like that, we can start getting a little antsy, can't we? Like, please tell me that this is not the Sunday that we're gonna talk about serving. I just really wish that I had missed it. Well, I have some news for you. This is that Sunday. So you are here. I hope that God is gonna speak to you. And if you do feel that way, right, if you're feeling a little antsy, because what can happen sometimes when we talk about a subject like this is immediately before we even hear anything, we can start to think, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I I need to serve. We can start to feel a little guilty. And that's not at all what today is about. And if you are feeling like this, I just wanna tell you, I get it. Okay, I get it on a real deep level because I will never forget the church that I grew up in. I got saved when I was about nine or 10. The church that I grew up in was a really small church. And I remember specifically being in a Sunday night service. Now, how many of you guys have ever attended a small church? If you have, you know that Sunday nights are reserved for the lit times, okay? What happens on Sunday nights generally doesn't happen on Sunday mornings. They get wild in a Sunday night service. And I remember coming into this specific Sunday night service and the entire time I was avoiding my pastor's wife. She was a scary woman, (laughs) mostly because I just felt like she heard from the Lord and she was the one that we all avoided. You know, if you went to a church like that, there was always one that you avoided. And this woman usually heard from the Lord and she would let you know when she did. And generally for most of us, it was that we needed to break up with our boyfriends or girlfriends, that we were being disrespectful to our parents. So I was like avoiding her like the plague. I mean, the whole entire sermon, I'm like, sitting down, not making eye contact with her. I'm like shuffling through things because I didn't even have a cell phone. I'm just like, I cannot look at her and I could just feel her eyes peering into my soul <laughs> because this wasn't the first time that she had done this before. And I remember when the, our pastor got done preaching, he was like, okay, we're gonna have an altar call. And we're gonna commission people to go out and serve. And I was like, I'm not going down there. Like I am 13, I'm not old enough for that. So I was like sitting in my, in my chair, like holding on for dear life and here she comes. She grabs my arm and she's like, it's time. And we went down, and when we went down to the front, I was like, I don't even know what it's time for. I could leave okay, I could leave not, I don't even know. But all that to say is that if today you're feeling a little antsy when it comes to serving, I get it, I've been there too. But here's what I can also tell you is today, this is not that message. This is not the message. Because today, the goal for you is not to leave feeling guilty. This is not, in no way, shape, or form are we trying to guilt trip you. We're not trying to shame you today. We're not trying to make you feel bad, that you could be doing more. That's not what today is about. The goal of today is for us to open scripture together, to look at the life of Jesus, and for us to be 
and for us to ask him to come in and show us how we can become more like him, how we can look more like him. That is for all of us who are all in disciples of Jesus, this is what we are called to do every single day is to look more and more like him. So that's what we're gonna do today. Are you excited? Okay, so this morning we are going to be looking at the idea of serving. And in fact, we're gonna be looking at the biblical mandate and the example that Jesus gives to you and to me when it comes to serving. The title of my message is All In Selfless Living. Well, let's pray before we start. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for you, God. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together, Lord, in community, to open up your word and to get a better picture of who you are. I'm so thankful that you are a good, good father. And Lord, you have good things for us. And so today, we all together, we open our hearts for you to speak to us. God, have your way. And may we look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I think with the amount of people that we hear, we can all probably collectively agree that in this room, the culture that we're all living in, right, the world and the culture that we're living in is incredibly self-centered. It is a selfish culture that we're living in. In fact, the culture that we're living in is selfish, it's self-centered, it is about self-gratification, it is about self-indulging, it is about self-promoting. I was listening to someone speak the other day and they were saying a statistic and thought it was interesting that they did a study recently and they said 54% of American teenagers right now that their biggest career aspiration is to become famous. So we are, because of the culture that we're living in, we're raising up a generation in which we just wanna be known. We wanna be known, we want it our way, we wanna do things the way, we want things to feel good, we want things to be on our timeline, we want it to be all about me. And all of us are living in this tension because the problem is, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple, then you know that his kingdom, his teaching, and his ways are in direct opposition to that culture. The kingdom of God is in direct opposition to self. And so we're living in this tension and we, we're all trying to figure out then what does it look like to live in his kingdom, right? What does it look like for us to be disciples, to be in the kingdom of God and, and to live in this culture where the temptation is, is for us to be all about ourselves? Well, in my personal opinion, if we're going to try to look more and more like Jesus, then the person we have to look to is Jesus, right? And if you read the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is where Jesus' life and ministry is recorded. When you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, you will find that Jesus came to reach, to give, and to serve. In fact, his whole life is marked. His ministry, his life is marked by serving. And today... What Jesus calls us to and what he actually invites us into is a life of selfless living. In fact, the invitation into his kingdom is first that we would deny ourselves, that we would take up our cross, that we would follow him, that we would love him with everything that we have and that we would love others. So this invitation that we have is to serve. And today, I want us to look at two specific moments in the ministry of Jesus. And what I want us to look at is the way he taught and demonstrated what serving looks like for us. 
Because if we're gonna be in his kingdom, if we're gonna be his disciples, then we need to know what he was like. We have to know who he's like. So if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna be in Matthew 20. And so we're gonna be at first, this first little moment that we're gonna, that we're gonna be in. And I wanna paint a picture for you before we actually get into the, the verses that we're gonna read. Because here in Matthew 20, we see that Jesus, he's going around and he's teaching, right? And he's teaching what the kingdom of God is like. He's teaching his disciples and the followers, this is what my kingdom is about. And right after that, he brings his disciples close to him, those close, his close followers, and they're on their way to Jerusalem. Now, he's telling them yet again that his death is coming, that he's going to be handed over, that he's gonna be crucified for our sins, and he's gathering his disciples together and he's letting them know again, this is, hey, it's about to happen. It's actually sooner than you even think. And in this moment where Jesus is telling us about what's gonna happen, the greatest act of service ever, guess who appears on the scene? A mom, because moms are awesome, right? And there is a mom. We see a mom in Matthew 20. Okay, she's the mother of two of the disciples, James and John. We don't know what her name is, but she makes her way to Jesus in this little moment. And when she gets to Jesus, she says, hey, I have a favor to ask of you. Like in this moment where he's like, you know, I'm about to, you know, I'm, I'm gonna give my life. She's like, hey, I, um, can I, I have a favor for you, a favor to ask. And he's like, well, okay. He was like, what is it that you want? And she's in listen. I know you've been talking about this kingdom, right? And so in this kingdom, do you mind if my two boys can sit on either side of you in the kingdom? Okay, like they can sit on your right and your left side. I don't even care which one, just as long as they can have those positions, that will be great for me. And Jesus is probably thinking, man, these people don't get it. You know, here I am talking about the greatest act of service ever, and she's wanting her kids to be on the side of me. And so he asked her, do you know what you're asking? Do you actually know what you're asking me? And they're like, well, well yeah, because he, he says, do you, are you actually gonna drink the cup that I'm gonna drink? And what he's talking about is, are you gonna suffer the way that I'm gonna suffer? And so they get into this conversation, in conversation. So Jesus is having it with this mom and her sons. And all the while that that's happening, now the other disciples, they're kind of, the scriptures say they're indignant. They're angry, they're annoyed. They're probably like, this is not fair. Why did they get to be on your left and your right? What about us? We've been following you. So a little argument starts to, starts to come, you know, they're like kind of bickering back and forth. And Jesus takes this opportunity. He gathers them around him and he's going to teach them what his kingdom is about, about what his kingdom looks like when it comes to serving. And this is what he says. We're gonna pick up in Matthew 20. We're gonna read 25 through 28. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And what he's teaching them is, is you have taken my, um, this idea of the kingdom and what you're wanting is your sons to be at these high positions and it's just like the Gentiles. They take their authority and they lord it over the people that they serve. 
They're like, I'm the boss. You do what I say. I'm, I'm like, I'm number one. Everybody falls in line where I'm at, okay? And what Jesus is saying, but not you, not you. If you're my follower, not you. If you want to be in my kingdom, not you. In fact, you must become a servant. And right in this moment where they're arguing about position and who's going to be the greatest, Jesus lets us know that in the kingdom of Jesus, greatness is redefined. Their version of what they think is great, which is position, it's actually being at the top. It's having the most authority. It's having, you know, whatever that looks like. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. I am the example for you. In this kingdom, I am the example, and I'm telling you that I did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus literally came to touch the sick. He, he actually came, and he would touch the people who were banished to the outside of the cities, who would have to say, I'm unclean. They were never looked at. They were never talked to. And Jesus, he came to touch them and to bring them healing. Jesus was all about the lonely he went after the people and had dinners with the people that nobody else even wanted to be seen with, the tax collectors. He would go and do that. He had a conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. He wasn't even supposed to be talking to her, but this is Jesus' ministry, that those who are unclean, who are outcasts, who are lonely, I'm gonna touch them and I'm gonna heal them. I'm gonna serve them. And not only am I gonna serve them while I'm here, I'm eventually going to lay down my life for them. I'm gonna demonstrate my love, and I'm gonna serve them in the best way I know how, and I'm going to give of my life. And what Jesus is teaching us right here is that serving is not just about what we do, but we are actually called to be servants. And this is very different. Because what happens is we, we start to think like, well, I'm, I'm okay, you know, like I, like I serve them. Like that one time like I got picked up that piece of trash when I was at Zaxby's and it was like fine, you know, or like that one time that woman, she needed help and like I opened the door and it was like, it was great. And what happens is we start to think that we are living as Jesus has called us to live because we're doing some things that look like serving. And what Jesus is saying here, no, 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 being a servant in my kingdom is not about you doing things. It's actually a heart position to be a servant. They were actually called to be a position of serve. Like, we're called to be that. We're not called to just do a bunch of things. We're called to be servants. So here's what I want you to do. I did it in first service, and maybe it's a little awkward for you, but I don't know, just go with it, you know? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand over your chest, just like, you know, just right there. And this is what I want you to say. I want you to say, I am a servant. Let's say it again. I am a servant. I am a servant. And as weird as this is, this is what we have to do every single day if we're going to run up against this tension that the culture we live in is all about me. The culture we live in is about you. It's about getting what you want, your life looking good, you getting all the things, you being happy. That's what our culture is feeding us and the way to combat it is for us to understand that I am a servant. Every single time I'm compelled to make it about me, every time I'm compelled to think about me, every time I'm compelled to get on a power trip with leadership, I have to remind myself I am a servant. Because what Jesus is calling us to is to be a servant. In fact, the, 
and you know, the thing is about a servant, you know, like what we're not talking about is like even the terminology is kind of, you know, we don't look at servanthood as like necessarily a great thing, right? Like that's a lowly position. And this is what Jesus is doing, right? He's flipping that upside down. And not only in the kingdom of God are we called to be a servant, but in the kingdom of God, it is the greatest title that you can have. And this is the thing, kingdom living, Jesus over and over again, he flips over our ideas of what we think and he just, he's like, no, that's not what it's like. Because for us in this world, we think it's the great things. We wanna be a part of the big things. I need to be this famous. I need to have this many followers. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's about the little things. Actually, the greatest title you could ever have is that you are a servant. In fact, we know that because the greeting of heaven one day for you and for me Right, If we've given our hearts to the Lord, we've lived this life, and one day we're gonna stand in eternity with Jesus, do you know what he's going to say to us? He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's actually what he's gonna say. It's the greeting of heaven. And you know, the thing is, is that we, because we don't think like that, we put all of our energies and effort into other things. And the problem is that when we get to heaven, he, that's not gonna be it. He's not gonna say, well done, good and faithful banker. You did a really great job. Well done, good and faithful, um, you know, uh, sister. Well done, good and faithful husband. Well done, good and faithful wife. Well done, good and faithful child. He's not gonna say any of those things. He's gonna say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then the other moment that I kind of want us to drop in on in the, in the life and ministry of Jesus, so we're actually gonna flip over to John. We're gonna be in chapter 13. And um, I'm gonna kind of paint the scene again here. So we're in the, in the Gospel of John, and what we're actually going to read is probably one of the most powerful pictures in the New Testament. Other than Jesus dying on the cross, this is one of the most powerful pictures And the setting where we find ourselves, it's right before the Passover and Jesus and his disciples are having a little secret meeting in this upper room and they're about to have this Passover meal together and Jesus is with his disciples and he knows that he's about to give his life. The hour is upon them. It's it's actually about to happen. And so he has this little gathering and he knows that he's actually about to suffer in a really big way. And so he gathers them together And in the Gospel of Luke, who has the same account, Luke says that while they're sitting there having this meal together, an argument breaks out. It's like, you thought we've learned by now, but no, because, man, we're just humans, aren't we? And an argument breaks out. And if I, you know, if I were a guessing person, I mean, I know, but if I was a guessing person, I would imagine an argument that would break out in this moment would be like, who gets to serve Jesus more, right? If it's his last time, it's like, I wanna hug him the most, kiss him the most, hold his hand the most, love him the most, I just wanna do all the things. But that's actually not at all what's happening here. The argument that breaks out amongst the disciples is all about who is the greatest. They are literally, right before Jesus is about to hand his life over, to be our ransom, to suffer, they are arguing about who is the greatest among them. And I don't know about you, but this, it feels comical. It feels absolutely comical. And you can imagine, because we know the disciples, what the conversation is like. You know, John's probably like, it's me, hello. <laughs> um, Peter's like, I, you know, whatever. And Bartholomew's probably like sitting on the corner, because like, who knows, you know. Judas is probably not saying anything. Um, 
So here we are, uh, this argument is breaking out. And, and Jesus, who is about to give his life, is sitting at the table knowing that he did not come to be served, but to serve, and he's listening to his followers. And you know what he could do right then? Because it seems like he would have the ability to and the right to would be to just kind of knock his hand down and go, what are you doing? I've been here with you and you still don't get it. He could be frustrated, and yet that's not at all what Jesus does. In fact, Jesus, he gets up. And we're gonna read John 13. We're gonna read verses four and five. It says, so he, Jesus, got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. So many of us don't really understand what's happening here because we don't, you know, nowadays in modern times, we're not practicing this art of feet washing. But this is one of the most scandalous acts of selfless serving ever. Because back in these times, washing the feet would have been primarily a role only for a servant. So this washing the feet, this would be a customary um, a polite tradition that they would have done because back then, in order to go to a meal or go to someone's house, you probably walked a really long way and you would have been wearing sandals because they didn't wear socks with sandals back then. Socks didn't exist. Um, they would have been wearing, wearing sandals so their feet would have been very dirty. And back then, the tables that they would have sat at wouldn't even have been like the tables that we sit at where you could even hide your feet. They would actually, they would have reclined their feet would have been visible. And so a polite custom would be that the host who's having people over would have one of their servants go and wash the feet of the people who are coming. And this wouldn't have been just any servant. This would have been a very lowly servant that would have done this. Because imagine what this is. You are taking the most humble place in the fact that you're bowing down in front of somebody and you take their dirty feet and you start washing it. And so many, we, we don't really understand this, but it would be very much like, you know, if you were to come over today to my house, let's say we we're gonna get together, when you got in there, I would take your coat and I'd probably offer you a drink. It's the same kind of thing that's happening here. That's what feet washing would have been. And you can imagine that as this is happening, the disciples are probably, and we know that they are, they're kind of freaking out. They're like, no, 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 you can't do this to me. Like, you're Jesus, you can't wash my feet. And... The reality is, is Jesus, who is the greatest in the presence, in their presence, he looks around at the pride in his disciples, his followers' heart, right? Because they're sitting here arguing about who's gonna be the greatest. So he, he looks around, and instead of coming at him and getting on to him and saying, you don't get it, he actually stands up he grabs a servant's apron. He would have gotten a basin of water and a towel. And he takes a lowly position and he begins to wash his followers' feet. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Light of the World, the Spotless Lamb, the King of Glory, the Chosen One, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He bends down and he washes his disciples' feet. 
And because Jesus knew that the greatest among you would be a servant. And in John 13, 12 through 15, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to this place, his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And this is a beautiful, beautiful picture. And right here, Jesus tells us that in the kingdom of Jesus, serving is not optional. Jesus does not say here, listen, if you feel like it, if you can fit it into your schedule, you know, if you like find something that you like to do, you should probably serve others. No, no, no. He says, here I am. I did not come to be served, but to serve. And as I have bent down and washed your feet, you go and do likewise. And there are very few times where Jesus actually says, I just did this, go do it. But here is one of them. And what he's letting us know is that serving is not optional for us as Jesus followers. We don't actually get an out when it comes to serving. None of us in this room, if we love Jesus and he is living in our hearts, can we say, it's just not for me. And that's what we've done. We, we've said, well, I'm, you know, I'm good with Jesus. Like, it's just me and Jesus and then like, you know, whatever. And that's, that's not it. The Christian life is, that's not it. Because he says, I have actually set an example for you you need to go and do it. So then the question for us today is for us to look honestly and deep in our hearts, to search us, to look at our lives, and for us to ask ourselves, where are you when it comes to serving others? Where are you? If you were to, if you were to kind of like look at your life and what you're doing and what your schedule looks like and the life that you're living, what does it look like when it comes to serving Jesus? And here's what I'll, I think that most of us, we are not intentionally setting out not to serve, okay? I don't think anyone in here, for the most part, would say that they have literally set out to never serve ever, okay? I don't think any of us really think that. But the problem is just because that's not our intention doesn't mean that's not what's happening. And sometimes what happens is that we have believed lies, we have developed mindsets, that keep us from being all in when it comes to serving. Now, this in no way, shape, or form is an, an exhaustive list, okay? But in you know, working with the dream team a little bit and getting to meet with people, I would say these three things that I wanna talk about, they typically come up with people. When we're talking about serving and what this looks like and our need to, be, to, to serve, right? Because Jesus said, I am the example, you do also. This is... These three mindsets, mentalities, these tend to come up, okay? This is what keeps us from serving. The first one is, I don't have time to serve. I just, you know what? I don't have time to serve. And honestly, I get it. We're all busy. If you're busy in this room, raise your hand. We should all have our hands up. We're, for the most part, all of us are busy. I know that because usually when I'm trying to fit in a meeting in my schedule, I'm like, well, it looks like I have about three and a half minutes from this meeting to this meeting. Can we do it there? I mean, I get it. Like, schedules are packed. Calendars are packed. We have things that we need to do. And what happens is we start to play Tetris with our calendar, right? Or, you know, we're 
playing this game where it's like, okay, well, I know I have to work from this time to this time, so that goes in. Um, I have to take um, this child to this practice. I need to take this child to these lessons. And then um, I'm in this sport. I'm in this extracurricular activity. I have to go do this. I have to go meet with them. I have to go hang out there. I need to study here. And what we're doing is we're playing this game and we're putting all the pieces in. And if that is your approach to serving, you will not have time. And if you do have time, it'll be at like 4 a.m. And I mean, I'm sure you could serve at 4 a.m. I, I don't really know where, but I mean, you know. But, but the problem is, is that it's the wrong mentality. It's the wrong thinking. Because Jesus says, right, he taught us that serving is not what we're doing. Serving, being a servant is a way of, of life. I am a servant. So if my mentality is, is that I am a servant, then what happens is when I am putting all of my things into my schedule, I know that these are non-negotiables, that I am a servant. So this is what I'm going to do, and I'm gonna fit everything around it. And you know what that means sometimes? Sometimes that means that we have to say no to something. Here's what I'll tell you. Every no and every yes that you make is building the life that you're living. If, you are, or if, you, or if you're honest with yourself right now and you would say, if I look at my life, I don't know that I'm necessarily serving in any real capacity. Every yes and every no that you are making is building that life. That looks like sometimes in seasons where I know that God has called me to be a servant, I know that there's a real need and I'm gonna try to meet it. Sometimes that means in order for it to go into the calendar, I have to say no to some things. And that's just the reality. Or maybe it's this mindset that's maybe keeping you from, from being all in when it comes to serving, and that is this consumer mentality. We in America, we live in a country with a consumer mentality, and in our country, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because if you and I need or want something, if we just decide we wanna go out and buy something, we have the ability, the right to do it as long as we have the money, and we go out and we find the nicest one or this model and this color, and we get it from this store, and we get to check the best prices, and, and so this is what we're doing. But the problem is, is unfortunately, we can approach church the same exact way. And when we have this approach, we go into church like we're spectators, like we're going to watch a game, right? And as spectators, what we do is we come and we sit down and we wanna be fed, you know? Like we want the music to be right and it'd be the songs that I like and like they do it in a certain way and we did like two slow songs and two fast songs, that's my preference. And you know, I want the kids department to do X amount of things for my children and I want the youth to do this, this and this. And before you know it, you are coming and you're showing up for what you can get out of church. You're coming in as a spectator and all you wanna know is what can I get? But this is not the mindset that we need to have because in this mindset, it is all about me. And here's the thing, as servants, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of him, actually, he talks about that when, we have, when we've given our hearts to the Lord, we actually are adopted into his family. And so for us as a body, we become a family, we become a unit. And not only do we become this family and this unit, all of us have different things that we're bringing to the table. In a family, everybody has a role. 
And that's what we are. If we're disciples of Jesus, you are in a family and every family has a role. The problem is, is that you will never fulfill that role as long as your mentality is that of a consumer mindset. You will never. Or maybe for you, the mindset that keeps you from serving is, if I'm honest, I just don't have it together enough to serve, okay? This looks a lot like, I'm just not spiritual enough. I don't have it together if you only knew my life. I could never do that. I'm not where I need to be. So we start having these kinds of conversations. And if this is the mindset, the thoughts that you have, let me just give you, let you in on a little secret. Welcome to the club. <laughs> no one that I know that is serving has their life together enough to feel a completely and 100% prepared to do what they've been asked to do, okay? And I, I've, I have a story that I wanna share because as I was preparing for it, I, remember, I remembered it. And when I, um, I started coming to New Hope in 2005, I was 18 years old. I actually had just lost my dad. He had a six-month battle with cancer. It was really, really rough. And um, the church I was going to at the time was really, really small. And so we kind of combined with New Hope. And so here I came. I've only ever gone to a small church my whole life. And I came into this really large, massive church with a lot of people. And not only was I, did I feel like a small fish in a very big pond, I was struggling with my relationship with the Lord. Before my dad passed away, I felt like I had this relationship with God. What I realized was a lot of religion. It was a lot of like, I knew a lot about him, but I didn't actually have a relationship with him. And so when I stepped into these doors, I actually was struggling in my faith. And at the time I was connected, I got connected to the children's pastor here. And she was like, Jessica, I have an opportunity for you. I want you to come back and work in the kids department with me. And immediately as a college student, I was like, no. Like, I am not going back there to work with kids. Like, I, mm -mm, no, no, no. And she was like, listen, she was like, you, you're not gonna teach like a Bible study. You don't have to worry about that. Cause I was so afraid. Like, I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out if this thing is real, if God is real and if he loves me. And I, I was really struggling. And she was like, no, 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 that's not what this is about. She was like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come back here and I want you to host the games. That's all you gotta do. You can be fun. You can be loud. You can do all kinds of crazy things. She was like, just come, come back and do it. And I told her no for a very long time until finally I just relented and I was like, I guess, whatever. So I started serving here in 2005 in the kids department, okay? I would end up serving there for lots and lots of years. And when I started, what I did was host games. We did the dumbest things possible. We would like have leaders be blindfolded and make a peanut butter sandwiches and we'd take the sandwich and throw it in dirt and watch them eat it and think it was like the funniest thing ever. We would, you know, give them drinks to drink and we'd make them drink it out of their own sock and we were doing crazy things, things that we probably would get in trouble for now. Um, this is what we were doing back in the kids department and I remember one Sunday this little girl, her name was Sarah. She was like second or third grade. She came up to me and she gave me this little piece of paper and she was like, hey, um, I just want to give you this. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't really read it because, um, you know, I was a college student. So um, I just probably just threw it in the back of my car. So um, the next Sunday she came back up to me. She was like, hey, did you, you know, the invitation? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I still didn't understand because I didn't, I never read it. And so then the next week, her mom came back there and was like, Sarah's very excited. And I was like, okay, well, I have to find whatever this piece of paper was. So I read it, and it was an invitation to something at her school. I was very unclear about what it was. I assumed it was some pageant of some sort. She was probably gonna sing. And I was like, well, you know, she really wants me to go, so I guess I'll do it. And I'll just, yeah, you're so good, you know, all the way through it. And so it was at her school. She went to Augusta Christian Elementary School. 
And so I went on campus the day it happened. I had to get out of some of my classes at, at school. I taught to my professors. It was just so sad, you know. And um, I showed up at Augusta Christian School, and there were some si- there was some signage out, and all the signage I was seeing was a pastor's appreciation breakfast. And I was like, surely this is not what I'm going to. I need to know where the concert pageant is. So I'm like asking people, like, hey, where's the concert? They're like, no, no, there's no concert today. I'm like, okay. So I'm like going, 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 and then I realized because I got in the room and I see Sarah, that I'm in the room at a pastor's appreciation breakfast. And now I'm freaking out because I was not a pastor, not even close. (laughs) I was a college student trying to figure out why I couldn't be pre-med. So that's where I was in life. And um, so we sat down and um, the, the people who were putting this on, there was a certain select group of kids who had great character and they were invited to this breakfast and then they got to invite their pastor and that's where we were at. And then the person who put it on said, and not only that, we'd love for y'all to go around, say what church you're from and what position you have. And I was like, okay, this is tough for me. So if you can think of a big church in Augusta, they were in attendance and their senior pastor and most of their executive staff were there. And um, it was me. And so it came around to me and I was like the whole time, like, what am I gonna say to these people? So I stood up and I was like, um, yeah, um, my name is Jessica. Um, I serve in the kids ministry at New Hope Worship Center. And everybody's like looking at me. They're like, well, what do you do? I'm like, Ah, the games. Um, Sometimes I come out of a time machine that we've made with um, partitions. um, And we do games from like the 50s and stuff. And um, I lost everybody. I mean, everybody was like, who is this girl? And why is she here? And I felt it. Can I tell you something? You know who did not care that I wasn't a pastor at a church? Sarah. Sarah did not care what my position was. She didn't care that I wasn't the pastor of a big church. She was excited because the person that she loved in New Hope Kids, the person that made her laugh and who would say hey to her and would give her high fives and who would let her be seen for a little bit of time on a Sunday morning, she was excited because she was there. And that was me. And it was one of the most humbling experiences because Oftentimes, it is not what you do that matters when it comes to serving. It is the spirit in which you do it. It's not about like our gifts and our talents, right? It's about the attitude and the spirit we're bringing. And when I would go back and New Hope Kids, I was just a nut because these kids just needed to laugh. And that's what we would do. And that's what she cared about. And what makes me the saddest is that when we allow these mindsets to take root in our lives and it keeps us from serving, what we end up missing out on is the benefits that come with serving. There are benefits to serving. In fact, I know that's why Jesus set it up like this in his kingdom because it's good. It's good for us to serve and there are benefits. Here's a couple of them. Number one, you look more like Jesus. That's a great benefit to serving. In fact, God's intention is for us to conform into the image of his son. So every time we're serving other people, we're actually looking more and more like him. And that's good. It's good for us. The second thing is, it gives you joy. Serving is a lot of fun. In fact, some of my best memories have have happened here while I was serving. 
if, if I could, we could go to coffee and we could sit across from each other, I could tell you lots of crazy, crazy stories that have happened in this building. I could tell you about the fact that when I was over at kids one time, I saw a cluster of little boys at the stage and I was like, oh my gosh, look at them worshiping. <laughs> and when I went up, they had brought hermit crabs and were racing them at the front of the stage. And I was like, I don't even know how to take up the hermit crabs. And like, where did you, how did you bring them here? It's like lots of things. Um, or I could tell you about, you know, last year, the youth, we went to CIY camp, which was just a lot. Um, I could tell you a lot of stories about that. But one specific memory I have is, while there was a lot going on, I get a call at about almost 1 a.m. from the boys' cabin, which was a long ways away, because one of our students' toes was hurting. And so I brought the um, first aid kit that I bought from Walmart, and I was like, I told one of the other leaders, you're coming with me, because going over to the boys' dorm, you know, whatever. So here we are, we take off, it's 1 a.m. I'm exhausted because by then our bus is broken down. I mean, just all the things. And I'm so tired. And I get there and I'm like, okay, where is he at? And he comes out and he's like, got a smile on his face. Like, like this is the most exciting thing that's happened today. And I'm like, what, what is wrong with your toe? He's like, I don't know, look at it. And he puts it up and literally it, it might be a little red. And that is, I'm, that's maybe an exaggeration. I was like, there is nothing wrong with your toe. He's like, it hurts. I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to do with it? He was like, um, I was hoping that you had some iodine wipes that you could put on there. I was like, no, no, I don't have iodine wipes from a first aid kit from Walmart. That doesn't exist in here. He was like, well, maybe some alcohol, alcohol wipes. And I was like, I don't have that either. He was like, what do you have? I was like, I have Band-Aids and hand sanitizer. And he was like, oh yeah, that'll work. And so for the next 15 minutes, he put his toe in my car and I proceeded to rub hand sanitizer on it and put a bandage on it and he felt like a brand new person. And I don't even know why, what, what happened, but it made him feel good, you know? And we can laugh about it. And I could tell you about this time when I was here and I was alone and there we needed childcare and there was no one here. And so I was like, well, I'll do it, I'll serve, you know? And 19 kids later and it's just me and I'm in the nursery and all of a sudden one of the kids is like, Miss Jessica, there's a, there's a mouse in here. And I'm like, oh, what? So, oh yeah, yeah, I call Joy immediately. I'm like getting all the kids into a room and I'm like, like just dry heaving because I'm like grossed out by it and also just terrified. And she's like, Jessica, what are the kids doing right now? I'm like, they're looking at me. She was like, you're the adult, be the adult. I, I mean, I have so many fun memories. The reality is, is that serving is fun. And when you're not doing it, you're missing out. You are missing out. The third thing that serving does is that it makes an impact, that you actually get to impact other people's lives. I can't tell you the number of connect cards that I've read coming out of this church of like, you'll never know this, but we lost our son. And every time the greeters greeted us and hugged us, it made us feel better. I mean, the countless cards that we've gotten. Or what about this, the fourth thing? You build community through serving. If what Pastor Reagan preached on last week touched something in you and you would say, I'm lonely. If I were really honest, I am lonely and I'm struggling. Let me tell you something, do not wait. You have a responsibility in community to pursue it and the best way to do it is serving. The best friends I've ever had in my entire life did not come because we by chance met and exchanged numbers. It came because we were on a team doing life together, serving in one mission. So here's the thing. 
I could keep going, I could tell you lots of things, but I actually want you to hear from some of my friends. So I have about, we have six people who are my friends. I can honestly say that I'm friends with these people and they are amazing people who serve this church every single week. So I actually want you to hear a little bit from them. Serving at New Hope has enabled me, uh, first of all, to really grow within the community. Um, I get to know a lot more people in our church a lot better. I feel like more of a family here. And it's just also it's been very um, satisfying knowing that I'm, I'm helping the Lord in this church grow to its potential. Serving has also brought community into my life. And I feel like doing it with community just brings so much joy within serving. Um, I've met so many people and those people have become some of my closest friends. So even though we're serving, we're having so much fun, we're laughing, we have so many stories, endless stories of just like, just crazy things. Just the summary of it, serving is fun. Like it should be fun. It should be something that you're like, wanting to do and desire to do. And when you do it with friends and do it with people that are really close to you, like I feel like that is so fulfilling and does bring the most joy. But until I actually started serving, I really had not gotten fully engaged with the mission and the vision that New Hope has. So it's helped me become more engaged and take more ownership over the vision of New Hope. And in addition, it's helped me feel more connected and more a part of a community. It's like a, a connect group within itself. When I first started serving on the team, actually when I was asked to, to serve on the team, I, I really didn't feel like I was prepared, but um, the Lord really just kind of talked into my life and, and it has told me that He would take care of the things that need to be taken care of because without Him, we can't do anything anyway. So if we wait on our own time to be ready to serve, we're never gonna serve. But if we just trust in the Lord to lead us to where we're supposed to serve, we're serving in, in under His authority and it just works out. One, you can just take a leap of faith. Um, I think out of all the things that we do in our day-to-day -day lives, we always manage to find time for the things that are important to us. And if it's truly in your heart to serve, I think God will make a way for you to serve. Uh, being a mom, being a wife, working full-time. Um, I think the biggest thing to know when serving is that it is a family commitment. Um, it definitely helps to um, have that support from your family to pri prioritize serving. Everything that you do for the church, it kind of helps you along your journey as well. So. Think of serving as just a part of your faith walk and not necessarily just another task or priority thing that you need to do for that day or that week. Uh, being all in means, for me, it just means to um, be committed and also to be intentional in where you're serving and how you're serving. And I think a lot of times we wanna serve so bad, but the intent behind it is for our glory. But if we go in with the intent of worshiping God and doing it for Him, I think, that's what it means for me to be all in in serving. 
I love serving in New Hope Kids because if you're not back there, you don't really know what's going on. But a lot of the times it's just loving on kids, having a fun time with them. And especially in my classroom with the three and four year olds, it's the beginning and the seed to their relationship with Christ. And we teach them really big concepts that they can take into whatever age group they go into next and they can really use their entire life. And it's the beginning to that. And I think it's really important for me to serve and continue to serve in three and four year olds because when I was a three year old, it was a volunteer specifically that made a connection with me and took care of me and taught me one on one. And that was the main reason why my parents decided to go to New Hope was because there was a volunteer that really loved me and I loved them back. And I wanted to stay at New Hope so badly. And my parents were like, how, how are we gonna pull her away from this church that loves her so much? That, I think that's why I wanted to serve in New Hope Kids so badly, was to make the same impact that a volunteer once left on me. I'm all in. 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 Will you be all in? Those are some really, really awesome people. And that is the question for us all today. Are we going to be all in? Will we take the challenge to be all in when it comes to selfless living? And I have two suggestions as we just kind of wrap up and as we close today. And the first is, is that I would highly suggest you to be, a, be very aggressive with praying every day that the Lord would give you eyes to see people and that he would give you a heart that breaks for what his heart breaks for. Because we are called to be servants Everywhere we go, not just at New Hope. This isn't about us just being at New Hope and serving. This is about how can we go and we can serve our communities? How can I go and serve at my workplace? How can I go and serve at school? How can I go and serve every place that I'm connected? So number one, I would suggest you do that because let me tell you, if you pray for that, he will give it to you. The second thing is, is that I would suggest that you need a consistent place where you can serve. You need a systematic place that has opportunities for you to build the muscles of serving. If all we do is wait around to pray that God would give us a heart, then we need, that's great. And, but the problem is, is like, what if we're just like, okay, well, I'm just gonna ignore it, you know, whatever. And then we're gonna leave and we're gonna live the same exact life, right? So it is praying that God gives us a heart to go out into every place that we go to and be a servant. But it's also, I need to find a place where I can consistently serve. And let me tell you something, we have a place for you. At New Hope, that is what our dream team is. It is a systematic place for you to build the muscles of serving in your life. You know, our mission here at New Hope is we would, that we would reach people who are far from God and we would lead them into their next step in a God-first life. One of the ways we do that is we give who we are and what we have. This is the dream team. And that, that mission statement, that's not just something that Pastors Reagan and Joy just cooked up. That's biblical. That's what God has called us to do is to reach people who are far from him. And this is a great opportunity when you serve on a team to put this in motion. And so as we get ready to close today, around you, you probably have seen this card. I want you to stand with me and I actually want you to grab this card. I think with a message like today, the best way that we can close is not necessarily coming to the altar and praying some long prayer, but maybe today what the closing could look like is that I actually take a bold next step. I love what Frank said. 
if you are waiting to feel like serving, it might never happen. <laughs> I, I, I feel so overwhelmed by life sometimes that if I was waiting for the feelings that like, oh yeah, yeah, this feels great, I might never do it. But we know, based on what we talked about today, that we're called to serve, it's not an option. If you're a follower of Jesus, serving in your life is not an option. So maybe today you would take a next step and say, you know what, this is my family, this is New Hope is my church, and so I wanna roll. I actually want to be a part of it. I wanna use my gifts and my talents, my skills, my story to make a difference in the lives of people who come through our doors every single week. And if that's the case, then I would highly encourage you to fill this out. And not only would I highly encourage you to fill this out, I would highly encourage you to go out to one of those tables out there and talk to people who serve on these teams so that you can get your questions answered. That you can find out when do they meet, what do they do? And maybe for some of us sitting in here, the reason why we're not serving is because we actually just don't know the need. So I'm going to be very upfront with you about our needs. Can I do that? So our experience team, this is the greeters and the first time guests, we need about 10 more people on this team, okay? That's, we're running very low. Safety and security, Frank told me that this, this team has actually dwindled quite a bit, and so we need six to 12 more people to help with safety and security. The worship team, we need band members and vocalists. Listen, don't look up here and think like, I have to be at this skill level. Pastor Josh loves developing and helping you hone your craft. So if you even have like this desire that I just wanna get better or learn an instrument or learn how to sing, this team would be for you. The tech team, those fabulous people back there and in the back that you never ever see, who are fantastic, who literally put, you know, they help us lead in our service with the lyrics and things like that. In fact, you normally don't notice them until something goes wrong and then everybody's head goes back, right? Um, they're incredible. Right now they have five people on their team with four positions. So we have four positions on the tech team that have to operate every single Sunday. So if you do that math, that means that most of those team members are serving every single week. And they do it without ever complaining. But you know what would be helpful is if you would make a bold next step and that you would join that team. This is lights, projection, camera, online streaming. We need, I mean, it'd be nice if we had like five to 10 new people. That would be really great. In fact, I think Tiffany would just like do cartwheels back there. Um, New Hope Kids. This is where I started. I have a heart for kids because so often what Mana said was so good. Like we're planting the seeds of faith in kids. It's super important. Sometimes it's very overlooked. But at New Hope Kids, Pastor Rachel needs about 30 new dream teamers. This is a big number, okay? We are very, very low in kids' church. And what she needs specifically is, she needs people to help with hospitality. She needs preteen leaders. So these are people working with fourth and fifth graders. She needs adults for their midweek Bible study. And she also needs people to go back there and hold babies and rock them and love on them. Sounds like a really great place to be. So 30, because she needs four to six people in all of these areas. And then there's New Hope Youth. There's six to 12th graders. They're really, really awesome. And we need people back there. We are, we are as low as possible. I, I don't even know if I could give you a number, but it would be really awesome if I could have six to seven new leaders back in youth. And this is in all different kinds of areas. It's hospitality, just loving on kids, high-fiving them, uh, playing spike ball with them. They're really awesome. I don't know, you couldn't possibly go back there and not fall in love with them, I guarantee it. 
And let me tell you this, I'm going to make a plea for you men. In every single team, you are the most missed. We are short in men in every single team. And the reason why I wanna make a pitch to the men is because there is something about you and the role that you have being a man that no one else can fill except for a man. There is something about when you go and you develop and disciple young people, I cannot do that. There is something about the role that you have and the authority that God has given you when you are in places, it feels better. We need men on every single team. So if you're a man in here, I am making a desperate plea. Well, we're gonna pray. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that card. And again, I want you to ask the Lord, really ask him, what does he want for you? Maybe for most of us, it is just taking a bold next step. It's saying, you know what? I can do that. I promise you that there is no team that's gonna take all of your time and you're never gonna have like a personal life. That's not how this operates. In fact, the more people we get, the less you actually have to serve. So we're gonna pray and I'm gonna ask that the Lord would reveal to you what you need to do, what your next step is, and that you would be bold to do it. So Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for this opportunity that we have had to come before you and to worship you and to be in your word, to look at how you lived and to become more like you, God. And over and over and over again, we see that you lived a life of service. In fact, you said that I did not come to be served, but to serve. And so we should likewise do the same. So God, I pray, Lord, right now that we would all have a heart for serving, that we would have a heart for people, that you would give us eyes to see people, that you would give us a heart that breaks for what your heart breaks for, God, that in every space that we go into, God, that we would be servants. We would know I am a servant. I don't just serve, I am a servant. And Lord, I pray for everybody in this room that maybe today what they need to do is they need to take a really practical next step. God, I pray that you would give us boldness to do it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.